Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, August 11th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. We've got no guests. I've got no big theme. Today is all about whatever you want to talk about, so line up the calls. 855-950-3835. I've already got some calls coming in. I'll get to them pretty quick. I do have a couple things I want to talk about, uh, but we'll get to your calls, so jump in and join us. Anything goes. We'll be here for an hour or until we run out of questions. It's up to you. 855-950-3835. All right, so I'm going to talk about the economy. I think it is the single most important factor we're dealing with right now, and we need to pay attention to it. We need to understand what's happening with the economy. There are going to be opportunities. There are going to be pitfalls. This is a really important time to understand what's going on, especially if you're a business owner, but for everybody right now. One of the problems is depending on where you get your news, you're probably not getting the truth, not even close to the truth. This government and administration has gotten really good at just lying. And the way they do it is they just change definitions. So we're not really in a recession, according to this government, because that definition we've used for the last six decades, well, that's not, that's not the real definition. They're, 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 no, we're not in a recession. That's what they're telling people. Well, there are people out there that when they hear that, they will make decisions based on that. Now, our government is so good that Joe Biden spent all day yesterday telling everybody we have now achieved zero inflation. All that talk about inflation that everybody's worried about, don't worry about it. Joe Biden already fixed this. We're at zero inflation. Does anybody wonder how that happened? How did we go from a 40 plus year record high of 9.1% inflation to zero? That's amazing. Just go out and spend. Don't worry. There's no, there's no recession coming. There is no inflation. We've got it back down to zero. Don't worry about it. Except I'm a little confused. Because on the same day that he's telling us there's zero inflation, his plan is working so well, we're already at zero inflation. Stop worrying. Except the next sentence I hear, we have to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, which they're doing. Done. How, How does that make any sense? Why do we need to spend hundreds of billions more dollars if your plan has already worked? Why do we need 80,000 more IRS agents? Why do we need to spend billions more dollars? It's already worked. You told us yesterday we're at zero inflation. Hell, you can't beat that. Except it's a lie. It's a total lie. Let's just redefine how we've talked about inflation forever, and we can say it's zero. This must be common core math. 8.5% now is really zero. And here's how they did it in case nobody's explained this to you, how he can say that. Because what he's talking about, they never say this. If he even would finish the sentence, 
with inflation is at 0% month over month. Okay, we never look at inflation month over month, but if, if you say that, at least you're not lying anymore. That we never use that measure of inflation, by the way. But if he would have said it, at least it's not a lie. If you look, we were at 9.1% interest last year. I'm sorry, last month, not interest. Holy cow. I'm all, uh, I'm all screwed up here. Let me start that sentence over. We were at 9.1% inflation last month. This month, the inflation rate this month is 8.5% because we always measure inflation year over year. So we compare this July to last July, this June to last June. That's how we do it. We always have. So when you say inflation is at 0%, the assumption is year over year. That's a lie. 8.5% inflation year over year, which is what it is, is still like a 40-year record. It's unbelievable the information coming out of this administration, how dangerous it is, and the media just keeps repeating it. You have to know where to get your news. You can't listen to what you hear on social media and the news. It's just wrong. This economy is in trouble. And to pass the spending bill makes it even worse. And then they just lie about it. Nobody will be prepared when this happens because they keep getting told, oh, no, don't worry about it. There's no inflation. There's no recession. Everything's fine. It's not. Uh, calls are coming in. I do have a bunch of other topics, but you know what? I'll put them off. We'll get to the calls because today is all about you. If we get through the calls, I'll go back to my topics. We might jump back and forth today. Let's go to Alberta. Ben, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? So, um, uh, me and my wife are working with a functional medicine doctor, uh, to get her off her antidepressants. Good. She's on a, I think you, it's called an SSRI. Yes. There's a whole and, bunch um, of them, but they all work about the same. Yeah. And um, she's on a 100 MG right now. And the reason we do not trust the medical doctors, they wanted to switch her to a uh, different one. Yeah, right. Because it just works. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess I think it was eight or ten months ago we finally decided to uh she started changing her diet and uh, the only issue she's having right now is um mental fatigue mental fatigue, I think. Yeah. And uh, in the mornings, you know, she has mental fatigue here and there on and off. But she really notices when she eats lots of fats, she feels much better. Good. But there's, well, that's the only issue right now. She's not quite confident to start uh, weaning off it. And yeah, uh, her functional medicine doctor suggested um, uh, testing her homocysteine. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not a well, bad idea. Can you give me a better... I was just wondering if you could kind of uh, explain what that is, that homocysteine, what it does. Yeah, it's an amino acid is what homocysteine is. So amino acids are the building blocks for proteins. So we have essential amino acids, meaning we have to, anytime you see the word essential in nutrition, it's a very specific word. And what it means is that that is a nutrient our body cannot make on its own, we have to have that specific nutrient in our diet. There are other nutrients that our body can make. So we talk about essential fatty acids. There are specific fats that your body can't make. It has to, you have to consume those specific fats in your diet. We have essential amino acids. Our body can't, some amino acids our body can make. It takes other parts and other nutrients and it makes an amino acid. Some of the amino acids, I think there's 23 total. And then people argue about whether there's nine or 11 essential. It goes back and forth sometimes. Um, So homocysteine is a a, a building block of protein. Um, A high level has been associated with heart disease. Uh, When we see low levels of homocysteine, it's usually associated with problems with B vitamins, B B6, B12, folate. Um, So there's a couple reasons. Okay, okay. So I, I think... There, maybe there was some indication that there's some dysregulation with B vitamins, so they're looking at homocysteine as another marker, possibly. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what she was saying. Uh, she put two and two together, and she told my wife um, that uh, she thinks she's a low producer because when... When my my wife just can't sit, she needs to do something. And if when she started something, she wants to get it done. And she thinks that's a sign of her homocysteine. She's a low producer, and she needs some kind of B vitamins. And does that does that homocysteine test that she's going to do uh, test for the Pacific B vitamins or? No, it's not. What is, what they're, that they're, they're not testing homocysteine and B vitamins. Those are two totally different things. I'm assuming, because I don't have all the information in front of me, I'm assuming that the doctor saw low B vitamin levels, and now she's trying to find out why they're low. B vitamins are not hard to get in our diet. B vitamins are usually pretty easy to get. They're easy to supplement. But some people, you can eat as much as you want. You can supplement as much as you want. You still have low levels. Then we look to other markers like homocysteine to see if that's why. Okay. So if we if she shows elevated homocysteine, like could be the reason why she's got low B vitamin levels. So then you work at getting the homocysteine levels down. Yeah. Because her, her B12 is plenty high because yeah, B- she tested it. Yeah, B12 is the one I've talked about where I ended up like thousands of percent over what I was should have been taking in every day. I mean, you can get... In- yeah, and that's the reason kind of I called because 
she's thinking the same thing. That's why she ha- she feels a little anxious sometimes when she when she gets yeah. mental fatigue. Can that be too much B twelve? Yes. Yeah. And what happens, the mechanism is when your B12 levels get too high, it starts affecting your lithium levels and lithium has a huge impact on our mental health and our moods. So if somebody is starting to get anxious and they're not normally, that's, you know, that's not them. They're not anxious people, but all of a sudden they have some anxiety. And a lot of times we'll look and if B12 is elevated, that can be why. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess our next visit is going to be testing the homocysteine. Um, I had another question. Um, so, I'm doing the cold showers and the Wim Hof. Okay. Breathing. Definitely feeling a little better on the stress side of things. And uh, I was just wondering um, when you had, uh, like, when you were sensitive to light, your eyes, my eyes are very sensitive to light. Will that get any better with time or? It will get better um, with time if we're addressing the underlying reason. Yes. Okay. And, yeah, and, I still, I'm still pretty sensitive to light. Uh, you know, yeah, that's it, the only reason. If, if at some point, and I'm going to say somewhere between 30 and 60 days, if you've been eating a good, clean, paleo-based diet for at least 30 to 60 days, maybe even 90, that's when it might be time to start addressing things that didn't resolve. I mean, you know, you experienced it. Everybody does. When you switch your diet, lots of things get better. It happens every time. But there's always those lingering things. I dealt with them. For me, it was digestion and joint pain. Um, there's always some lingering things going on with people. And, and that's when, if you've been doing the diet long enough and strict enough and they're still there, then let's go back and address them. But really, what we need to address things like this is a NutriQ and a discovery call to get started on it. I did a couple of cues and maybe I'll just need to do another one. Yeah, you and know, a discovery the, call. I haven't done that yet. It's interesting. I love when I go in to work with somebody and they have two or three or four cues over time. That's even better. Then I can see patterns. I can see, oh, look, we improved this before, but look, something came back. Let, let's go figure out why. Uh-huh. So multiple cues actually, it's like multiple oil samples. You know, when somebody calls me with one oil sample, a lot of times you'll hear me say, well, you know, it's telling us something, but I, I, I can't see patterns yet with just one. A NutriQ is the same way. We'll work with somebody with one NutriQ. We can, but if I have two, it's even better. If I have three or four, now I can see all kinds of patterns in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got, I, I done two, so maybe I need to do another one in the call, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, give that a try, and, and like I said, if we pick up on some of these things in the NutriQ, um, then we can start focusing on them. You'll hear me say many, many times, that first 30 days, don't even bother with supplements. We're, we're just going to waste our money yeah. and confuse things. Some, many of the things you're going to try to supplement now, they're going to fix themselves with the diet. Let's wait and see what the diet doesn't fix, then we'll go address that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you got time for one more question? Sure, go ahead. Um, it's kind of a funny question, but uh, you know, back in the day when when you were 
when you were a kid and your mom told you not to go out in the cold with bare feet and <laughs> and wet your hair. pants or and wet get hair. infection or wet hair, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, and my mother-in-law is the same way right now. When she sees little my little son walk out in, in, in the cold sprinkler or in the snow, <laughs> you know, he's kind of, could you, like, what causes peeing your pants really? I was trying to explain to her that our bodies are not used to cold. Is that is that the correct um, yeah. way to explain it? Yeah, it, it you know our bodies react kind of violently to that much cold because we're not used to it. We're not accustomed to it. I, I'm going to make the story even a little more funny because um, I just realized something as you were telling that story. Because I think all of our parents <laughs> did that. Don't go outside with your hair wet, yeah. all that stuff. So I had heard that growing up year over year. Then I'm in school, and I don't remember what grade it was. It was still elementary school, though. I remember that. And in science, we learned about the germ theory of disease, that in order to get a disease, there has to be a germ present, and you have to be exposed to that germ, and then that's what causes disease. So I went home and said, Mom, you're just wrong. And she's like, what? I, I said, going outside with your wet hair has nothing to do with getting a cold. You have to have a germ present. Uh-huh. So even back then, I was questioning authority and what they were telling me was true. I knew it wasn't true. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that really is the thing, because like young kids' bodies are not exposed to cold enough. That, and they're not used to it. That's why they pee their pants. But eventually, if they get used to it, it gets better with time. That's the way I can see it. I don't know. I'm not well, sure. It's, yeah. it's no different. Think about all the people who call here at, as adults. They, they want to get healthier. They're willing to try all of this stuff. What is the one thing that freaks everybody out the most? the cold shower cold exposure everybody just oh i can't do it i've tried everything else i just can't do the cold exposure (laughs) that's how that's how wimpy we've become we never expose ourselves to too much heat or too much cold and if we do we want to get right back to that totally comfortable 68 to 70 degrees we spend all of our time in that zone of course hot and cold bother us and stress us we're not used to it Mm-hmm. But you know the best time to start cold showers is in the heat of the summer. I, no, if you if, no if doubt. you don't like yeah. cold showers, try them in the heat of the summer. Yeah, no doubt because like, in the in amazing. the in the winter time and we're inside and outside a little bit. We go outside, we get chilled. We want to come back in. We want to get warm. So when you when you're feeling chilled. The last thing you want to think about is a cold shower. You're right. But if you go outside on those 95 degree days and then start thinking about a cold shower, it doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, exactly. Now, good, good, yeah, it's good funny point. with my mother-in-law, you know, what's that? I, I just, good point. Um, it, it's, uh, we have just allowed ourselves to become too comfortable all the time and it's not good for us. Yeah, and you know, it's funny with my mother-in-law, because uh, my father-in-law, he really, he was really into that uh, when I told him about changing his diet, and he did it for, I think, three months now. Excellent. And when he slips, when he slips off his diet, when he eats, 
grains or sugars, he feels it the next day and headaches and all sorts of stuff. And and my mother-in-law said, "No, that's not the cake. That's not the sugar." And 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 my and father-in-law, he knows exactly that that's the that that's the problem. But she will not admit it that that's are the issue, and it's quite. <laughs> You know, that yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, here's the thing about this. This is easy to prove. And you look at all the, I'll look at all the other diet interventions I've tried over the years, low fat, high protein, um, vegetarian, vegan, plant-based, on and on and on. Um, I've tried a bunch of them. And here's the thing. When you start eating only plants, and you give up meat and you start eating low fat and you give up most of the fat. Many times in the beginning, if you do it as kind of like a strict vegetarian and you really do eat just vegetables and you don't load up with a lot of grains and other stuff, you'll probably feel better if you went from the standard American diet to a really good well-designed vegetarian diet, if there is such a thing, um, you'll feel better for a while. I experienced this, I know. But here's the other thing I experienced. You give up meat. We talk about giving up grain and how much better you feel right away. Give up meat. You're not going to feel any better right away. Nothing major, maybe a little bit. But here's the thing. You can give up meat for six months, go back and have a burger. You don't feel bad. Now, you might if the burger's on a bun, but you've been eating bread all this time anyway, so you don't know it. But give up meat for six months. Go back and eat meat. You don't feel bad. Give up fat. And, but and I would never fat. want to give up meat. No, I know, but I'm saying here's how we can prove that yeah. this is a better way to eat for a human being. Because when you go back yeah, to fat and meat... You don't feel bad, but every single person who has ever called this show says, I gave up grains, I felt amazing, and if I eat a grain, I know it. I feel horrible. That should be a sign. Good. Yeah. That doesn't happen That's with That's a meat. very good point. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just, here's he just the, doesn't want to admit yeah, here's the other that sugars are bad. that it's easy to prove. Just keep going back and forth and watch how consistent it is. Give up grains, pain goes away, you feel better. Eat grains again, pain will come back, you'll feel bad. Give up the grains again, you'll feel better. Go back. It, it's so easy to prove because we can replicate it every single time. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Because I've experienced it, and my father-in-law's experienced, and he, I think he's pretty sold on it. So <laughs> that's a good thing. It is. <laughs> Eventually, it is. he just, uh, you know. <laughs> you know it, it, but anyways, I know you're busy, Kevin. Maybe I'll let you get to the other callers. Well, there you go. Busy. I will do that. I do like the new format because I'm not in a hurry. I can take my time with calls and topics, and I love it. Let's uh, let's go to Iowa. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, question for you on taxes. So I just started with a new company. I uh, went from a W-4 to a 1099. Still a company driver. How, how much taxes am I supposed to take out? And at the end of the year, I don't, I don't pay for fuel or anything like that. So I'm not going to have a bunch of write-offs. So should I just take the standard deduction or should I try and itemize whatever I can? 
you, if you are being paid as an independent contractor, and, and I want to change the word here because with, with taxes, we use words that are very specific. Itemize, when we use that word, that's actually referring to the personal side of a tax return, whether you itemize personally or not. That's the only time we use the word itemize. And for the most part, that has gone away. People who are employees, many never itemize anymore because they took away most of the itemized deductions and they gave us a larger standard deduction. And and that, that was Trump's tax change back in 2016. One of the better tax changes I've seen in a long time because it simplifies taxes for most people. Most people today, honestly, should not need to go to anybody to get their tax return done. Most people today should be able to fire up TurboTax or 10 other free tax programs on the internet and do their own tax return. They're that simple now. That was a really good change. So I I just want to clarify, we're not going to use the word itemize because that refers to the personal side. You are now, because you're being paid on a 1099 and no taxes are withheld, you're being paid as an independent contractor, you now file a tax return like a business does. You take all of your business-related deductions, but we don't call it itemizing. I just want to keep that clear. So, yes, you want to keep track of any business-related deductions that you are allowed to take and you want to take them because you are paying all of your tax under this scenario. It used to be that your employer paid half of your Social Security and Medicare. Now you have to pay it all. So we need to get every tax break we can to get that number down. The other thing that changes for you now, you now qualify for per diem deductions. Okay. So that's your big deduction there. That's fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year worth of deductions. Okay. Um, so then my next question then is my boss pretty much pays for everything. Like I said, he pays for all the maintenance, all the fuel, anything like that. So the only real deduction that I have, and correct me if I'm wrong, would pretty much be my per diem. Yeah, but think about any other supplies that we can claim are for business. Think about um, driving to the bank to deposit a check or all of those things are business related. So mileage on your personal vehicle, any kind of supplies you buy, any money you spend that we can claim you're spending to do your job is now deductible. Okay, so anything that I buy that I would in any way, shape, or form used in the truck or in the operation of the truck, I should keep receipts and and write that off my taxes. Okay. Yep. You All could, right, um, there's that out of the way. There, there's not a lot to keep track of, so it's not like you need any big complicated system. It's pretty straightforward. You could use profit gauges to do it, and it's cheap enough it would make sense. Okay. All right. And now I can scan my receipts into that. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, you're going to enter your receipts. Now, okay. how you handle the paper is completely up to you. The IRS doesn't require paper anymore. We're allowed to use electronic documents. Okay. All right. That's awesome. That'd make it a lot easier. 
Um, so then uh, the last caller was talking about grains and everything. I've heard you talk a lot about it. And I, if I remember right, um, you said, was it white rice? That was better than brown rice? Yes. And the reason why, when, when we avoid grains primarily because of the proteins and amino acids and, and lectins, and there's a lot of stuff in grains that are just not good um, for human beings. So that's really kind of what we're trying to avoid with the grains. The reason white rice is okay is because when we strip the outer hull and kernel off the rice, that's where all the proteins and amino acids and things we're trying to avoid. It's all in that outer coating of rice that makes it brown rice. When we strip all that off, all that's really left is starch. White rice is basically just starch. Okay. It doesn't have any offensive proteins. So we don't have to worry about any negative health consequences of white rice other than it's starch, so it's high in carbs. So you just have to watch your overall carb intake when it comes to white rice. But for me, I eat so low carb most of the time. I'm eating mostly carnivore that I will usually probably I average about once a week um, I'll eat white rice and I'm doing it on purpose I want the starch it's good for your gut microbiome I'm low carb enough that you know I can eat a half a cup or a cup of rice in a day and it just doesn't bother me at all because it, it, I'm still low carb I mean I can eat rice and still be incredibly low carb because I'm not getting any carbs anywhere else for the most part so white rice is, it's actually recommended. We should eat a little bit of white rice um, every week, unless we're still trying to lose weight or get our blood sugar under control. In that case, you should just skip white rice. We don't want those extra carbs. Okay. Um, and then uh, another kind of weird, uh, not weird story, but uh, I tried something new. And it was kind of along your lines of, not eating carbs. I actually went to Hardee's the other day and instead of having them put my burger on a bun, I had them put it in a lettuce wrap. Perfect. It was weird because there was no bun. But after I got done eating it, and now I'm no way, shape, or form even close to being keto or anything, or even dirty keto. But I felt better just after eating just that sandwich with no bun. Yeah, I didn't feel bloated or overgorged or anything like that. I I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And I'll I'll tell you, no matter what restaurant I go to, the other way I love my burger is, you know, just about every restaurant has a salad menu and a burger menu. You know, six or seven different salads, three or four different varieties of burgers. For me, I pick my favorite salad. I pick the burger I want that day with all the fixings. And I say, look, make this burger exactly like you would make it on a bun. Just build it on top of my salad. Okay. I love eating a burger like that. I'll have to try that out next time. If for some crazy reason something changed and we all went back to eating bread because we figured out we were wrong, which we're not, but if for some crazy reason we were and I were to go back to eating bread, I still would eat my burger on my salad. I actually like it better. I don't miss the bun at all anymore. Right, yeah, because I I mean, I felt full, but, and it was a weird, like, it was, 
You, you know, it was like right on the border of Chris, still being hungry, you, you know but what, yet I was full. You know what you were feeling? I don't even like to use the word full because that almost makes us, it sounds bloated or heavy. Here's what you're feeling when you eat the right foods. When we eat primarily meat and vegetables, seafood, meat, vegetables, eggs. When we eat those things, mostly carnivore, animal kind of products, we feel satisfied. That's the difference. Have that you would ever, be a better word. Have you ever felt so bloated from a meal you ate, but you still were hungry? Mm-hmm. I hate that feeling. That's awful. I just ate all this food. I, I want to go take a nap. I feel like I'm in a food coma. My stomach feels like I swallowed a bowling ball. And yet I'm still hungry because what I'm saying is I'm not right. satisfied yet because my body is screaming at me. You may have put a bunch of stuff in your stomach, but it's not food. And we didn't get the nutrients we want. So we don't care if you eat 10 more pounds of this garbage. We're still going to scream that we're hungry because we need nutrients. But when you eat nutrient-dense food, animal products, your body says, oh, now we got what we needed. That's all we need. You can stop eating now. Right. Yeah. So I did try that out. I think I'm going to continue on trying to work on at least going dirty keto and then eventually trying to work into keto. Excellent. Um, and one more thing before you, uh, before you let me go. Um, hey, hey, I talked me, to Bruce let, a couple let, weeks ago. Let me clarify something you just said. Again, I'm a stickler for words. I hate when we start changing the definition of things like the government's doing. So I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for words. And what you just said was incorrect. You said, I'm going to try dirty keto and then I'll try to go keto. Dirty keto is keto. Mm-hmm. You can't go more keto. Okay. You're already, if your body is producing ketones. That's the definition of a ketogenic diet. So true ketogenic diets can be different for different people. I can produce ketones probably with far more carbohydrates in a day than you can because my body's adapted to that. So there is no dirty keto and then keto. Any diet, any way of eating that produces ketones in your body would be considered a ketogenic diet. Carnivore is keto. Keto is not carnivore, but okay. carnivore is keto. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Because when you eat carnivore, it's so low carb, your body is going to be producing ketones. That's a ketogenic diet. So dirty keto is keto. Okay. Now, yes, you do um, want to improve so, it, but but when you say I'm trying dirty keto and then I'm going to try to move to keto, no, you already are keto. You're just going to try to clean up your diet and improve the quality of it. Yeah, yes, okay. Um, so then the last uh, last thing I had for you, I talked to Bruce a couple of weeks ago when I got in this truck. I went from a Kenworth T660 to uh, Volvo, uh, and I can't remember the model number. I think it's like a 760 or something like that. I'm not too familiar with the Volvos. Um, But the Kenworth never had a turbo gauge in it, and this one does. And the difference between the way I used to drive in that Kenworth, which was just set to cruise and roll down the road, compared to when I started doing that in this truck, and then I started driving by the boost gauge, I can get a, an improvement of somewhere between seven or 0.7 to 0.9 mile a gallon more by driving by the boost gauge compared to just at the crew. 
excellent. Now, I want to talk about that, though, because this isn't a slam dunk anymore the way it used to be. We don't always drive these new trucks by the boost gauge. It sounds like in your case, maybe it's working. We'd have to go through the specs and figure out why it's working. For the most part, though, trucks with variable geometry turbos, the newer emission systems, we're really not driving those trucks by the boost gauge. Now, all the other trucks we've always talked about all these years, absolutely. Everything from mechanical engines on up until, you know, the last decade or so in the newer technologies. Um, the boost gauge isn't as, as accurate as a number anymore. It doesn't make as much sense. Um, but it's possible that even with the newer trucks, you can get some specs set up so that you can see some improvements. So if you're seeing an improvement driving the way you're driving, keep doing it. We also remember in today's trucks, we have to be concerned about emissions. They're expensive to repair. And sometimes that advice of, you know, bringing boost down by bringing RPMs up is not good for emissions because then we're not keeping the heat in the engine where we want it. When we run those lower RPMs and sometimes that increases boost, but for these engines, that's actually a good thing because we now have to manage two different things. We're managing fuel economy and we're managing engine temperature for emissions. Okay. A little bit of spec behind it. It is an 07. And I don't know what the rear end ratio is. I do know it has a 8 and 13 speed manual. And it's thir- in 13th gear... At fourteen hundred RPM, I'm rolling at sixty-five mile mile an hour, yes, see, and this... getting roughly seven mile a gallon. Yeah, th- this is spec'd more traditionally, so the the boost gauge may still be a good indicator here, but we may have emission problems on a truck set up like this. It's not going to be as clean burning as one. Now we're, we've gone all the way back to 07. I didn't realize it was this old, but everything I said still stands boost. There, there was a time when we could just have that boost conversation and there was really no exceptions to it for the most part, but that's not true anymore. You know, and this is a big part of trucking now. We are now dealing with a, a wide range of trucks where we can't make blanket statements anymore. We can't even use the same oils in our trucks anymore. We have two different oil classifications. We have two different ways we talk about driving these trucks. So, you know, there's kind of the um, pre-emission, you know, I'm talking about that late 90s, early 2000s stuff that we still like. Those are the engines we use to build gliders. There's still lots of those around and all the things we talk about apply to those. But when we start now talking about these new modern engines and we're talking about the architecture and why we can downspeed them and then that whole boost discussion changes. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to grab another one here. Um, we are, uh, oh, we've got about 20 minutes left till the top of the hour. I still have some topics I didn't get to today that I might jump back into. Uh, but if you want to jump in right now, there's still plenty of time. We will be doing 
Rolling Toe today at 1 o'clock Eastern, so that must be 10. So I still have plenty of time. If you want to jump in, I'll hang out as long as you've got questions. 855-950-3835. We're going to head off to Oklahoma. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, I wanted to know, you know, like in the wintertime, instead of taking cold showers, like getting in and out of the truck and you're doing stuff around the truck, would that work for cold exposure too? No. As opposed to taking a cold shower? No, not unless you, um, not unless you do it naked. And here, okay. here's kind of the thing. I'll try to avoid he, that. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's kind of the thing on cold exposure. If you're not getting a pretty strong reaction to the cold, then it's not doing you any good. So, for example, uh, you should be shivering. Shivering is actually a biological function that we're trying to get to. When when you are shivering, we're activating something called brown fat. Uh, and it's biologically active, and it's healthy for us to do that. Um, if you're not getting that extreme, like, shock feeling from the cold, where you kind of, like, have a hard time catching your breath, when we can feel those things, that's when we're getting the benefits of the cold exposure. That's partially why the only long benefit to going, say, more than four minutes would be the shivering, you know, if you stay in that cold for, say, 10 uh-huh. minutes and, and it's causing you to shiver, that's actually a good thing. So think about just how we, you know, we get out of the truck. It's really cold. We're all bundled up and we kind of try to do everything quick so we can get back into the warmth, right? I mean, it, it's not, it's really not the same. And if it was, we wouldn't be talking about this because everybody would already be getting the benefit. Everybody does that. We all have to get out in the yeah. cold in the wintertime. Yeah. We'd all be getting the benefit. and We wouldn't have to talk about this. In order to get the benefit, yeah. here's the thing. As human beings, we all do this. If we know we have to get out in the cold, we bundle up, right? We, uh, we I'm be, usually in shirt sleeves and, 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 that's, and that's, uh, that's fine. I don't I, even ever put a coat on. I do often. that too. I don't even own yeah. a coat. I mean, I don't own a coat. I hate them. I, but, but I, I also don't go out and stand outside completely uncomfortable shivering. I, I try to stay. Yeah. And after a while you get used to getting out in the cold without a coat, don't you? It's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. It, so now we're comfortable yeah. again. So it, it's, when we talk about the heat, the cold, even the, the resistance training, what we really have to do is make ourselves uncomfortable. That, that's what all of this is. We're pushing our body to, to places where it is uncomfortable. And there's a benefit to that. And in our society today, we do the opposite. We do everything we can to be comfortable all the time. Okay. I, you know, I just was, just wondered how, how much, but it, we've got to get into pushing ourselves past yes. our comfort zone. Yep, that's the whole okay. point. That, that is the whole point of all okay. of this stress reduction stuff is we have to push ourselves. Really, it, we can take a lesson from um, Dr. Jayquish and why we can actually build a lot of muscle and strength in just 10 minutes a day. 
because if you follow his method correctly, and this is a good reminder, the, the whole point of the method, the, the thing to keep in mind is we want to push a muscle to failure. We want that muscle to be so worked that it can't do the job anymore. That's when your body says, hey, wait a minute. He was trying to do this and, and his body gave up. We need to make the body stronger so it can handle that. And that applies to all of these things. Look, he pushed that cold so much. He was shivering, it, you know, skin temperature dropped. That's when we see physiological changes. When, he, when we push our body to the point that it fails, it can't do any more then it will rebuild stronger and, and we'll be able to do those things. Okay. Well, that, that's a very uh, good explanation and, and uh, makes it a lot, a lot of sense. Good. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia. Willie, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I was just curious if you remember me. I had uh, called a couple years ago and my cholesterol and triglycerides specifically were extremely out of whack. Give me a The number. triglycerides were over over 1,000. Got it. My triglycerides okay. were like 2,000. Got it. Okay. I don't know if you remember that I, time I, or not. And uh, I think I do. I mean, just I, wondering I've if had you several came, of these calls, I just, but I think I remember uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if you ever came across if you came across a reasoning why triglycerides might climb that high. Being ketogenic, they were still over a thousand. Were you losing weight still? No, I was I was maintaining. I had been maintaining for over six months. Did who took the cholesterol test? Did you do it yourself, or did you have a doctor do it? Lab LabCorp. Well, I, I know, but I don't mean well, the don't lab. Well, it was it was it was a doctor. Okay, my so current endocrinology. What the, did what did did your doctor mention anything that sounded like familial hypercholesteremia? They said that. Okay, they've said that in the past, and I was tested genetically. And I don't have the markers. Okay. That, and that's what we needed to get to. We needed to eliminate that. If you don't have those markers and then you have numbers like this, what were your other numbers? Give me an idea of what everything else looked like. I, honestly, I think the, the total cholesterol was somewhere around 250. Well, that doesn't make HDL sense. HDL was low. Yeah, I, nothing Nothing makes sense with it. Uh, the HDL was, was low, like okay. in the 19. Yeah, that's really low for HDL. Yeah, and LDL was off the chart too, be correlating with the triglycerides. So I'm going to guess, and you tell me if I'm right or not, you were eating dirty keto. Yes. That's why. You, you have to improve the quality of your proteins and your fats to get those numbers better. Now, because they're so high and they're not making sense, I mean, if you have one number, almost 2,000, it's almost impossible to have total cholesterol at 200. Right. Because your 2,000 number goes into that calculation. So 
this is kind of all over the board. It will improve with better quality meats and fats, but there's still something going on here. It, it may be a liver issue uh, because cholesterol is all built in the liver. Um, we would have to do a deeper dive into yeah. this. I mean, this would require, and we're not even going to find this in a discovery call. You would have to do a one-on-one. We're going to have to do more blood work and, or, you know, you can ignore it for a while, clean up, your diet, really no eating out at restaurants, no eating, you know, grocery store meat. You've got to get your meat from the farms and you got to stay away from restaurants and you got to get rid of all those vegetable seed oils kind of stuff. Get all that stuff out of your diet uh, Mm. and and then see if this number starts to improve. Yeah. Yeah. At times when they'd climb like that, I'd get those uh, fatty deposits on the skin. The what do they call them? The xanotes. Can't uh-huh. pronounce it. It's 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 weird. It's, it's almost like zits, but it's it's purely cholesterol just seeping through the skin because it has no so, no function and has no reason, no rhyme, and they're just so high. Yeah. So the, the, clearly, you've got an issue here, and because it's not genetic, um, we we've got to dig to find out why. I'm curious though. What is your doctor doing about this? I am on tri- Tricor and uh, Revu- Revuvastatin or something like that, some, one of the statins. St- and it, the, the bumps go away, but the numbers still are out of whack. The triglycerides are still over 1,000. I think the last time they were checked, they were 1,500. Yeah, I, I would, I've had this going on since I was 16 years old. I, I would even, I'm over 50 now. I, I would even skip us on this one. Um, I wouldn't do a one-on-one with us. I would find a good functional medicine doctor. Do you do you have any recommendations or, or anything for Ohio? You know, my first recommendation to, to somebody to consult with to kind of get the process started would be Dr. Wolfson. This is a cardiovascular issue. Uh, cardiologists are the ones that deal with cholesterol and high fat issues and things like that. I would start with Dr. Wolfson and he can do everything remote. He's in Arizona or Colorado, wherever he is at the time, uh, but he can do it all remote. Yeah, I did, I did end up having three stents and my family has a history of at 49 having triple bypass. I avoided that. But so yeah. far. So far. Yeah. All right. You, Correct. You, you want to get these numbers I under know. control. I, I, you know, I tell people all the time, ignore Definitely. your cholesterol, except in cases like this. When we have extreme cases, you can't ignore your cholesterol. We have to go figure this out. Cleaning up the diet is going to help. That will help. It will bring HDL up. It should bring LDL down. I don't know what's causing the high triglycerides. So diet may or may not address that number but we need to start digging um and clearly what your doctor is doing is not helping and in fact it's making things worse because now you have to deal with all the side effects of the drugs he's put you on exactly and i do have arthritis and it just makes it worse yeah, absolutely the, uh, pain what about- is a side effect of statins it's usually muscle pain but um it, it is a definite known side effect of statins yeah. Vitamin D deficiency. We're talking in the teens. 
this may be a part of your col- this may be a part of your cholesterol issue too. Vitamin D is actually okay. one of the building blocks of cholesterol. So it's weird that you've got low vitamin D, crazy high cholesterol, but we've got some things really out of whack here, and these will have an impact on your health. That low vitamin D number leaves you wide open to infections. Mm-hmm. Now, have you supplemented vitamin D? Attempts. We've. I've. I've so, tried. Tell me what I've tried the, the bio drops. Okay. I've tried the bio drops from you guys. Which, I tried those twice and it didn't. Hold on. Which? It, hold, hold on. Which one? Because we have multiple drops, so I need. And gosh, they're different. It was different strength, so I need to know which one. I think it was the ADK. Oh, the A, D, E, and K is our, it, that's our weakest because we have all okay. four fat-soluble vitamins in A, D, E, and K. So you can only get so right. much stuff into a drop. So that is actually our lowest potency vitamin D. You want to go to our highest, and how many drops of that were you taking a day? Four. Yeah, not even close to enough. And how long did you supplement before you retested? That was about, uh, what was that, six months? So prior to starting and the AD, E and K, you were 19. What were you after six months of supplementing? No, I was, prior, prior, to, prior to taking the supplement, I was down to 14. After taking the supplement, I was at, what was it, 22? So we almost doubled. So I, we almost doubled yeah. and you stopped. I ran out and I didn't get any more. Right. You stopped. I just kind of, you stopped. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't. It was working. See, look, you, you keep doing the stuff the doctor's telling you and it's not That's working. True. We gave you something that actually worked, almost doubled your number and you quit. Why? Life. You were getting not a results. Excuse, but it's just, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. So now yeah, you're right. So now here's what I want you to do. Go back and get the bio DK and take five drops okay. a day. And this will resolve. We know it will. We know you don't have an absorption problem. You've okay. doubled your number in a pretty short period of time on a low dose. And the DK is the, the stronger of the D itself. Correct. And we have the balancing K okay. because we're, we're giving you so much vitamin D in that one. We want to make sure we balance the vitamin K with it. But we, you, you are not, I don't think you have a vitamin D issue at all. Occasionally, I run up against people where we're giving them massive amounts of vitamin D and they're not absorbing enough of it. You don't have that problem. You just have probably very, very little vitamin D in your diet, and you're probably not getting any vitamin D from the sun to speak of. And, but as soon as you supplemented, your numbers improved, and you were supplementing at a pretty low dose. So I don't think we have a, any kind of vitamin D issue. You just need to supplement at the right level. Okay. And shock with Dr. Wolfson. I would. Now, I, I will warn you, be prepared for sticker shock. Depending, if you want to consult with Dr. Wolfson directly, I think you're probably looking at close to four or $5,000. If you want to consult with some of his health coaches and nutritionists, then the price is less. And, you know, that's a budget thing. 
if you can afford Dr. Wilson, I would do the consult with him. If budget is an issue, his health coaches are excellent too, and you're going to get the same advice. I mean, they're all in the same office. They all do the right. same things. So, yeah, but but it, it even then I tell people, be prepared for sticker shock. This isn't like, you know, going to the doctor with insurance and paying a $20 copay. You got to pay for this stuff out of your pocket. Right. Isn't it a shame? No, like always. Isn't it a shame yeah. that Dr. Wolfson, a renowned cardiologist, been a cardiologist for decades, insurance covered, you know, hundred thousand dollar plus surgeries that he's done over the years, probably far more than that. And now that he's actually really helping people get healthy, insurance won't cover any of it. That's just insane. Right. Just insane. All right, Willie, I'm going to cut you loose. We are uh, right about the end of the show here. I am going to hang out just a couple minutes um, and give you a chance to dial in. I I have several topics. I could probably take another half hour on the show, but uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, Hold on. Angie just sent me over some information. She went and looked up. Uh, he was on the ADENK. He was correct about that. At one point, you also did buy the BioDemulsion. That one is higher than the ADENK. But again, we need to go back and you need to resupplement because it was working. And we weren't even using a good dose. So let's go back and dose it properly and you won't have a vitamin D problem. Uh, I can tell you're not one of those people that we have some sort of weird absorption issue we have to deal with. Um, All you need to do is take the vitamin D consistently and keep taking it consistently and your levels will normalize. Uh, I'm still a big believer in doing a vitamin D test every quarter. Just go to Everly Well, they're cheap. Um, Put it on a quarterly subscription and every quarter a test shows up, you do it. You know what, speaking of which, I haven't done one in a while. And I don't have any around here. Usually I have a couple extras because sometimes I forget to send them back. But I don't have any and I haven't done any in a while. I need to go check on my subscription. Um, I'm guessing that right now I, I have no issues with vitamin D. I'm still supplementing fairly. I've dropped to three drops a day uh, because I've been eating a lot more seafood again, uh, which is high in vitamin D and I'm out in the garden all the time. Um, not naked, but sometimes close. Um, I've, I've been getting plenty of vitamin D this year, I think. Let's go to Idaho. RJ, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I was wondering what your opinion is in regards to nano chelated silver or uh, what's the other term that they use? Uh, yeah, chelated silver for um, fighting small there's, infections. I've heard. Uh, yeah, there's there's also another term you might have been thinking of: colloidal silver. Colloidal, yes, yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. Here's why. This this is like taking a sledgehammer to a mosquito on your windshield. 
It's a really bad idea. Will silver kill infections? Absolutely. Silver will kill all kinds of things in your body. Silver is a, I mean, we're talking heavy metals now. I, we, we try most of the time to get heavy metals out of our body because they do a lot of damage. When we talk about detox, this is almost always what we're talking about. We're trying to detox heavy metals out of our body. Aluminum, copper, we get all kinds of metals from all kinds of places. The last thing I'm going to do is pile in some more. I, I am not a fan of using colloidal silver for health issues at all. Okay. You know, just uh, thinking about for my preparedness situation, you know, and uh, if it was something I should consider or not in regards to health. I I wouldn't, even if we do have some sort of, say, stomach or digestive infection, um, I would rather use things like oil of oregano um, coconut oil, you know, in combination with the oil of oregano and a couple other, um, it's, it's like I said, it's not the nuclear option. Silver will kill all kinds of things. It's just not good for our health. Okay. And, and, you know, here's the other thing about colloidal silver. When we look at health you know, issues. Colloidal silver has been around for a uh-huh. long, long time. It's been promoted to, you know, be healthy and it'll kill infection. It's been around for decades and decades and it's never really caught on. And there's a reason. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I haven't heard much about it. Just, it, it, uh, it, it it, was introduced to it a couple of days ago, and so I thought, well, I'll see what Kevin knows about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those fringe yeah. things. There are people out there who believe in it. When they believe in it, they're almost fanatics about it. But, you know, call mm-hmm. 10 of the top health practitioners, functional medicine doctors, people like Chris Kresser and you know, Dr. Wolfson and others, and, and nobody uses this. All right. All right, well, thanks for letting me know. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right, that uh, unless we get a call coming in in the next minute or so, we're probably going to wrap this up. Uh, we are just about an hour away from Rolling Toe. Rolling Toe will be live today with Mike and Kevin Beckett at 1 o'clock Eastern time. That's 10 o'clock here on the West Coast. I will be back tomorrow with trucking technology and efficiency and let me double check i believe that uh both john and joel are in for tomorrow yes angie just verified that for me uh that's exciting we haven't had john for a couple weeks um so looking forward to tomorrow's show i don't I don't remember if I have a topic yet or not. Sometimes I do my show topics in advance. I'll have to go look at my notes. Uh, I'm not remembering anything. So we'll see. Fridays are always fun. I always look forward to them. Uh, It'll be good to have John back with us tomorrow. So we will see you then. Um, Don't forget, one hour from now, Rolling Toe, Mike and Kevin Beckett. Help us out here. You know, Calls are always important. Our show is all about calls. 
you know, we do not do the typical podcast where it's a guest and we've got a bunch of notes in front of us and we we're prepared to talk for an hour. And I mean, that's the typical podcast. We are still more like a talk radio show, except we're not on the air. Um, calls help. And, you know, Mike and Kevin can answer a lot of questions about a lot of stuff. Um, help them out. Get the calls in nice and early today. So line up those calls here in just about an hour. Anything tire and handling related. Um, actually, maybe we should. I know they're not listening now. They don't listen to my show. So um, don't anybody tell them I said this. But I, I think it would be really funny if they got like 20 vibration calls today. Just make something up. See if they catch on. I want every call today to be about vibration. See if they catch on. And don't tell them I said this. All right. We will, uh, we will see you. You'll, I will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.